On today's Locked on Jayhawks, Kansas is 4-0. I'm Derek Johnson. You can hear me as well on Rock Chalk Sports Talk Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 on KLWN. Thanks for making Locked on Jayhawks your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. On today's edition of Locked on Jayhawks, Kansas is 4-0 after the win over Duke. What it means, goats of the week. Plus, KU has a new recruit in basketball. We'll get to that in the end, landing a four-star prospect. I'd like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Terms and conditions apply. KU is 4-0. They take down the Duke Blue Devils 35-27. It was a game that... Quite honestly, Kansas could have and maybe should have won by more. First drive of the game, you go right down. You get stopped on fourth and goal at the one. It kind of looked like on the TV angle, Devin Neal crossed over the goal line but just couldn't get the ball across because Duke was kind of trying to swipe at the ball and he didn't want to lose the football. You had the Devin Neal fumble later in the game, which who knows if he ends up fumbling if he doesn't take up whatever sort of beating kind of led him being injured and missing a little bit of time in the game. You had a couple flags not go your way, which we'll get to, I guess, a little bit later here uh, with calls that maybe you didn't like or maybe dumb things that you did that you deserved but that were kind of unnecessary and led to Duke being able to keep drives going. You gave up some big plays. They made some nice plays to kind of keep it close. It never really felt like at a point in that game Duke was able to figure out the KU offense. It felt like they could have scored more points going back to some of those things, and also that you kind of let them back into the game. You couldn't close it out with the four-minute offense. Point being, KU very easily could have won this game by more. And if you just look at it as, eh, it's an eight-point win over Duke, like who knows how good Duke is. I kind of walked away from that game thinking Duke is a possible bowl team out of the ACC. I mean, the ACC isn't this overbearing conference where it's impossible they could win three more games. Clearly, they had kind of a soft schedule coming in, but... I thought they were a well-disciplined team. The quarterback was good. He, you know, dual-threat guy. They had some good weapons on the outside, some big running backs that KU did actually a pretty good job of bottling up. It was it was impressive for KU to get to 4-0. And you look at really across the way now, all four of Kansas's games are games that they deserved to win. It wasn't just the other team kind of shooting themselves in the foot. And for that reason, it's not just that Kansas is 4-0, it's that they're 4-0, and and they look legit doing it. Big 12's wide open right now. I don't know how we recalculate where Kansas should be, where they should finish in the Big 12, how many wins they can get to. I just know this. I don't think there's a single game left on the schedule, and that even includes you got the Oklahoma-Baylor-Oklahoma State games coming up after your next two home games with Iowa State-TCU. I'm not saying Kansas is going to win those games. I'm not saying Kansas is even going to have you know, a three- or seven-point loss in all of them. But there's no reason, at least that we've been shown so far, that in any of those three games, Kansas shouldn't and couldn't at least be competitive in them and that you go into each and every one of those games. There's no reason Kansas couldn't have at least a shot at winning the game. And that's so different than we've had in the past. So, yes, like maybe you're going to pick Baylor to beat Kansas when they go down to McLean Stadium to play them. But also, given what we've seen from the Big 12 so far, and given how good Kansas has looked, if I told you, well, Kansas is only going to lose by seven, or Kansas is even going to win that game in Baylor, 
Sure, maybe you'd, you'd say, oh, wow, that'd be cool. But you wouldn't be utterly shocked. And that's where we've gotten with this Kansas football team, this program, through just the first four weeks of the season. You'll say this now, though. I mean, coming into the game, like that was kind of the last chance for KU to really feel like, okay, well, this is the classic KU. You can't have nice things. They finally had this great start to the season, and they're having all these things go right for them, and this would be where it comes back down to earth, a game that you're favored in, the last game on the schedule from here on out. Because even though like you might think, oh, they're going to beat TCU, or they could beat this team, or they could beat that team, there's no games the rest of the way where Kansas is just like, yeah, they, they should win that game. They need to win that game. This was the last one of that kind of remaining, so it would have been very Kansas of old to lose that game when everything's kind of going your way. You kind of dispelled that away with the win in this one, and now sitting at 4-0, you can almost taste the bowl game. Like Once you get to five wins, that's when you can feel it right in front of your face because then you're just one game, you're just one win away. But you can you can kind of smell it now, right? Like uh, the oven is is gotten everything heat up, it heated up. It's it's been preheated. It's been in the oven for half the time allotted, and and you're almost there. You're almost ready to pull it out of the oven. And now you've set yourself up nicely that if you can just win one of the next two against Iowa State or TCU, there's no reason to think that you shouldn't be in a bowl game. And I'll be honest, I think there's no reason you shouldn't be in a bowl game at this point. It would be kind of disappointing if they didn't make a bowl game uh, after starting 4-0 to this point in the season. Just win two or next eight. Like, we don't even have to break it down as being like, well, win this game and then win that game later in the season. Just win two of your next eight. But to this point, too, like, we haven't seen any signs of anyone being able to stop this KU offense. I heard Brandon McAnderson on the pregame show, which you can hear on KLWN um, for the Jayhawk Radio Network and whatnot. I heard him talking before the game, and I I didn't even realize this. This is a, a phenomenal point he made, that KU put up, whatever, 55 against West Virginia, and they put up 42 in regulation of that game. West Virginia's defense, like, outside of that game, or I guess since that game, has been pretty darn good. And, like, we knew coming into that game, West Virginia had a really good front four. They had an experienced front seven of that team. But then when Kansas does that, it's like, ah, maybe their defense isn't that good. Well, in the two games since, West Virginia has given up 17 points. Yeah, one of them was against Towson. They also played Virginia Tech on the road. That's a Power 5 team. If you even add in the Pittsburgh game, they gave up, and, and this is what BMAC was saying, KU scored 55 on West Virginia. The three other games combined, West Virginia has given up 55 points. Houston right now on Pro Football Focus has the number one pass rushing grade in the entire country. That defense is still going to be okay for Houston. And KU hasn't really shown any signs of slowing down. Now this week is another challenge. Iowa State's got a really good defense. They're really well disciplined. They always are. Baylor is going to have a really good defense. I don't really know what to think of Oklahoma State. They lost so much from last year and they've showed signs of not being as good defensively. But like there's not a ton of just elite defenses roaming through the rest of the season. Like, sure, there's a lot of four-star and five-star guys on the Oklahoma defense, or there's this and that. But a lot of the defenses you go through the rest of the way, you can say, yeah, but they, they kind of have this weakness here. Did you see what K-State did to the Oklahoma defense? Did you see what Texas Tech was able to do to the Texas defense? Did you see Central Michigan put up 44 on Oklahoma State? You know, so 
you go down the line here, and there's going to be more opportunities for this KU offense to kind of take over games. And because they haven't really showed signs of stopping so far, there's no reason to expect this team shouldn't be a bowl team. And now you're basically right there. You took care of business against Duke. You did everything you needed to. You're so close. Win one of these next two. If you beat Iowa State, this team will be ranked, and they'll also be in a position where we're going to start talking about more than bowl games. But even if you lose to Iowa State, everything is still in front of you now. That's the beauty of beating Duke. I will make a quick aside here because Kansas is not ranked. That was obviously a big conversation yesterday, not just here locally, but kind of around the country. A lot of people were kind of stepping up for Kansas saying, hey, they should have been ranked. Here's their resume compared to this team, compared to Ole Miss or whoever, and they just missed out. I will say I, I kind of see both sides of things for people who would either be upset that they're not ranked and then those who maybe wouldn't have ranked them. For the people who are upset they're not ranked, the resume itself right now is a top 25 resume in the country. You have essentially, I, I know Houston's not power five, but they will be next year. I'm just going to say they have three power five wins. You have two legit road wins. And between West Virginia, Houston, and Duke, I don't know that all of them will make bowl games, but like all three could contend to make a bowl game. They have as good of a resume as a lot of other teams who are ranked right now and they're undefeated. It's also a cool story that feels like a ranking would kind of validate it more and put a cool timestamp of, hey, remember when KU got ranked? Remember when KU got ranked in just year two or for the first time under Lance Leipold? And it would also crack away any of those, well, the last time Kansas was ranked, you got to go back to 2009. You would no longer have that barrier where you would say, oh, it's been 12 years since we've been ranked. So, like, it does matter even though it doesn't. Like, the ranking at the end of the day does not matter. It won't impact things. The only rankings that matter are the college football playoff rankings, and the only rankings that matter in that set of rankings are who makes the top four and then who are the next highest-ranked teams to figure out for their New Year's Six Bowls and, I guess, who the highest group of five-ranked team is. Outside of that, the rankings don't matter a ton, but they do sort of from a storyline perspective. They matter from what games are you looking or are you checking the scores on. When you're scrolling through the TV channel, do you want to watch the game between two unranked teams or the game that one of them has a number next to them? Like a lot of times that can be determining how you pick the game. So it does matter, but it also doesn't. And I can see the case for it and it would have been cool. And I think they should have been ranked. Um, on the other hand, arguing the other side, just for the sake of Deadville's advocate here, Kansas ranks closer to 50 on a lot of these like power rankings, whether it's like betting sites or your ESPN, SP Plus type of ranking systems, to where if they were playing a lot of these top 25 teams head-to-head, they would be underdogs. Personally, I'm kind of a firm believer in the top 25 should reflect what you've earned as opposed to trying to predict what it is. The predictions are different because humans, we just we suck at predictions. We do. So I think it should be more about what you've achieved to this point. And, and I know a lot of people like to play the game of, oh, this team's ranked 8th and then they lose the game, I told you, they should have been ranked 16th. See, I knew they were going to lose that game. I don't like playing that game because it's, again, I view the rankings as, to that point, what have you accomplished? I think Kansas has accomplished a top 25 resume. But now at the same point in time, everyone has seen Remember the Titans. I I would just assume you have seen it because everybody with a a pulse has seen it, right? Uh, So you'll probably remember the scene. They're, They're getting screwed over by the refs. It's one of their playoff games. And it's clearly a, a race thing going on uh, where they're letting the other team, you know, kind of 
work their way into trying to to win the game and, and throwing flags on everything good that the the Titans do in the game. And the coordinator, Bill Yost, I believe he's the defensive coordinator, goes up to the ref and, you know, talks to him about, hey, you got to call fair game and blah, 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 all this stuff. So then he meets with his team in the huddle and he says, I don't want them to gain another yard. And he adds some more stuff in the speech. And what he finishes the speech with as the players are going back on the field, he says, leave no doubt. So if you're Kansas this week and you want to be ranked and you thought you should have been, yeah, you probably should have been. Leave no doubt. If you beat Iowa State this week, you're ranked. Leave no doubt. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Add your job to the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring if you are. They have simple tools like screening questions, making it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. Obviously, you go around here in Lawrence and you see a bunch of different restaurants or places who are hiring right now and trying to get people back to work and and that you can have you know, full open businesses and whatnot, LinkedIn Jobs is a great way to accomplish your hiring needs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Goats of the week. We're going to get into KU's newest basketball commit coming up shortly. Tomorrow's episode, we're going to be joined by Nick Schwert here on Locked on Jayhawks. Jalen Daniels, good goat of the week. You just pencil him in, it feels like, every week at this point. Continues to just not just impress and be good, but be like one of the best in the country. Continues to be like, you know, the September Heisman and all these things. And honestly, we don't really even need to explain why he's on the good goats list. You saw it with your own eyes. But if we're just going to add the context to it, he did have over 400 total yards of offense. He had more total touchdowns than incompletions. That'll get it done. He fits some tight throws uh, into windows, too, that, you know, had to be kind of pinpoint accurate. The The touchdown pass to uh, Luke Graham in the corner of the end zone was like a spot where only his receiver could catch it or it'd be incomplete, and then Luke Graham came down with the rest. He had the bullet throw to L.J. Arnold's against uh, the Duke defense that, I don't know if it was a cover two or what, where you kind of had that seam opening where you had to fit it in right away on a tight throw between where the corner was up kind of closer and the safety was kind of covering the boundary, and he fitted in perfectly. You had the uh, tight throw to Trevor Cardell early in the game over the middle, and then you had that tight throw to, to Quentin Skinner, which, I mean, that one was that one was a little bit dangerous, um, and I think Quentin Skinner gets honorary good GOAT status for that, that play because uh, Duke had an opportunity to kind of intercept that, but the way Quentin Skinner played it, it was toward the goal line, on that tight throw, I want to say it was a third down, and Quentin Skinner had to make a, a tight catch as well with some contact, but he also kind of ran up to the ball as opposed to letting it come to him, which didn't allow the DB to cut in front of it and try to intercept it. So Quentin Skinner was very big on that, but Jalen Daniels still was able to kind of fit that into a tight window, so he's obviously on good goats for the week. Daniel Highshaw is a good goat for the week. He uh, helped fill in, obviously, when Devin Neal 
was getting worked on with his injury before Devin Neal came back. Even if Neal was playing the whole game, obviously Highshaw was going to play a big role as well. He had 10 carries, 61 yards, and he had that one catch for a 73-yard touchdown, which was the play of the week. It was so much fun to watch that play. It was just incredible. I could only imagine. I I couldn't make it out to the game. I had some uh, broadcasting responsibilities elsewhere, but I can only imagine how loud it was and how much uh, things popped up at Memorial Stadium when Daniel Highshaw had that play and, and kind of got away from those tackles spinning away at the end there. LJ Arnold and Luke Grimm, I'll give them kind of a slashy for good goat of the week. I don't know who the true number one is for this KU team. I don't really think it matters because both of them are stepping up and making big plays when the throw comes their way. And that's what matters most. Are you going to have receivers who are going to step up for those big plays? So far, both of them have. Combined nine catches, 147 yards, two touchdowns for Arnold and Grimm. They were great, and that'll play for your top two, especially on a team when you have so many great tight end and running back options like KU does. I mean, Quentin Skinner obviously making big plays as well, that it's not just those two, but they're getting more than enough from the receivers when you add in what they're doing on the ground and what you have with Jalen Daniels. Uh, I'll give Mike Nowitzki another one. I feel like this has been a broken record that Nowitzki keeps getting good goat honors. He was once again KU's highest-graded offensive lineman. He was by far KU's top-graded run blocker by Pro Football Focus 2. And overall, KU just allowed two tackles for loss and one sack. There were a lot of running plays that ended up in zero, one, two-yard gains, which you'll be looking to get more of a push than that moving forward and against Iowa State this week. But you didn't allow a lot of negative plays, and Nowitzki just had a a really good game overall. How about the KU defensive backs in the running game? Duke ended up at just four yards per carry exactly. Uh, A good amount of that, though, was from Riley Leonard, the quarterback. Both of their top two running backs were under four yards per carry. And it's crazy because I, I really noticed it in this game. Those DBs were really getting up there and hitting guys. And it's crazy because of you look at a lot of these DBs for KU, they're undersized, man, in terms of being tacklers. Like, in the case of Romello Dotson and Kobe Bryant, they're not undersized in terms of, like, length, but they're, like, 160, 170 pounds. And those guys will come up and, you know, show a willingness to try to make a tackle there. Uh, O.J. Burrow's a small guy, too. Like, Romello Dotson led KU in tackles that game. He also led KU in run defense grade on Pro Football Focus. O.J. Burrows was third on the team in tackles. Kobe Bryant was top five. And then how many plays were Marvin Grant was around the ball a couple times where he kind of got, you know, the the better end of the running back and planted him over a couple times where the running back kind of planted him over. But he was in on those plays and making tackles. He was just constantly around the ball. So the KU defensive backs in on the running game really helped out there and showed a willingness that I really liked to see from them. Kalen Gervin, obviously a defensive back in there as well. And I thought he played really well in the game. There were moments where Romello Dotson, Kobe Bryant got injured and had to step out of the game and Caitlin Gervin just kept coming in whether it was stepping in for those guys or just playing kind of his nickel slot role on the team he stepped up man he uh, had the coverage on that third down play to the end zone when it was I believe 14 to 7 and Duke was trying to tie the game he had the coverage there he was targeted six times in the game he gave up just two completions now albeit one of them was a 38 yard game but that was actually pretty good coverage on that play it was just an even better throw and catch on the play but overall two for six against him pretty good work for Kalen Gervin um I'll, I'll give the crowd a good goat as well 
you sell out the crowd. They got to do it again against Iowa State, and it's going to be key to do against Iowa State too because of the fact that Iowa State is going to bring in a lot of people to the stadium if you don't. So uh, that's the good. For bad goats, not much. Earl Bostic struggled a bit in both pass and run blocking. It's his worst grades of the season. I'd imagine he bounces back. The big play defense, certainly something to note. Duke had way too many big plays. They had 13 plays of 15 or more yards if you count the flags. They had six plays of 20 or more yards, three plays of 30 or more yards, two plays of 40 or more yards. It allowed Duke to get back into it, allowed him to score the field goal at the end of the first half. It allowed you not to be able to just pin the game away when it was 35-20. It even allowed them to get around midfield on that last drive when they had the chance to uh, try to tie the game and still have a lot of time there. So that's something they got to kind of – tighten the screws on moving forward. And then bad goats for dumb flags. Some on KU's behest, like the Lonnie Phelps one where it was third and like 20-whatever, and the quarterback runs and slides. He was going to be well short. It was going to be fourth down. And Lonnie Phelps gets called for the, you know, hitting him uh, later on the slide or, or whatever it was, unnecessary roughness. Like that was just dumb on KU's behest. There were some bad calls as well. Feels like Lonnie Phelps gets held a billion times a game. He did get one call for him, but feels like there could have been a couple more. There was... The P.I. calls on uh, KU in the game and, and the one at the last drive that would have just kind of clinched the deal there, that was kind of a bad call. The Gavin Potter one was probably a bad call as well. But in the end, KU got to kind of avoid those dumb fouls. All right, we're going to take one more break in the action here. When we come back, KU landed a four-star recruit over the weekend on the basketball court. KU has a new four-star recruit commitment to their class of 2023, Jamari McDonald. He was ranked 42nd by 24-7 Sports and 77th on the 24-7 Sports composite, 113th on Rivals, 85th with on three. He's got shooting guard size, kind of plays like a wing, and has the athleticism for it. So now two commits for the class of 2023 for Kansas. Both are top 100 four-star guys. They still don't have that kind of blue chip or McDonald's All-American type guy that could be coming at some point here. Uh, Chris Johnson is the other guy they have committed. I actually played together a little bit with some uh, AAU ball, so they'll be familiar with each other. One thing in common for these guys, they're both known as being like hard-nosed, tough players, which is certainly interesting and, and fits perfectly for, you would think, what Bill Self wants in a player. Now, when you look ahead to 2023, Kansas could potentially have Dewan Harris, Bobby Pettiford, Joe Yesifu, Grady Dick, MJ Rice, Kevin McCuller, Kyle Cuff, and those two players all as guys who can play somewhere between one, two, or three positions. But a lot of times that stuff will figure itself out. Like, for instance, all those guys I mentioned, not all of them are going to be back. Grady Dick could go pro. MJ Rice could go pro. Kevin McCuller could go pro. One of the returning guards could transfer, like, if Bobby Pettiford beats out Joe Yesifu, Yesifu could transfer. If Joe Yesifu beats out Bobby Pettiford, Pettiford could transfer. Kyle Cuffter could transfer. So there could be more spots or less competition that opens itself up, and all of a sudden that early avenue for playing time for McDowell or Johnson goes up. But like as of now, I don't see either of those coming in as starters right away, but certainly both long-term impact guys that fit the bill of what, KU, I think, is trying to do moving forward, which is having these versatile guard wing types that can play up and down the lineup and can be aggressive in playing kind of small and going out in transition. I think McDowell kind of fits that to a T. On tomorrow's edition of Locked on Jayhawks, we're going to be joined by Nick Schwert. 
If you have anything you'd like for the show to talk about or want to follow along in the action, you can reach out at D Johnson Radio on Twitter. And don't forget to subscribe to the show so you're getting all the latest with Locked On Jayhawks. That'll do it for today's episode. Have a good rest of your day. I'll see some of you on RCST later today. Adios.